I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. How are you doing today? How are you doing right now? Uh, are you worried about tomorrow? Are you wrestling over yesterday? I'll invite you for a second just to tune in wherever you're at uh, and think about what's going on with you right now because that's what we're going to be talking about today. I have a repeat guest. I enjoyed the conversation last time, so uh, look, looking forward to this one again. Courtney Ellis is a writer, a mother, a podcaster, and she has a new book called Present. Uh, and I, I, this has come up a lot with me lately. Uh, in fact, we recorded some broadcast shows yesterday uh, where we were talking about prayer and the importance of prayer in the present. Well, I mean, there's there's a lot, there's actually a lot to this. And the more thought I've put into it, the more it's kind of actually changed the way I approach things. And I do have a little regret over the past because when I had all four of my kids at the house, I found myself not always very good at being in the present. And so, you know, wherever you're at, you can start living more in the moment and changing your surroundings um, by putting more energy and thought into this. So we're going to help walk you through it. Courtney, great to have you back on Life Today Live. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. So walk me through a little bit of your journey to, to where you're like, okay, I'm gonna write a book on the present. Cause I gotta, I gotta be honest with you. I'm sure some people look at this and go present. Okay. What is that? Right. Yeah. I, I started on this journey by realizing how transitory my life had been. My husband and I, we've now been married 16 years. When I started writing this book, we'd been married about 13 years. And we'd moved about 10 times. Oh, wow. um, and a lot of that was for schooling. He did a PhD and, and for my schooling as well. But we'd moved and moved and moved and moved. And every time you move, you kind of have to start over. You have to make new friends. You have to find, you know, just little things like a new mechanic and a new new doctor and dentist. And it was exhausting. And so we we were kind of at this turning point at the church that we serve here. And we said, you know, are we going to move again? Or are we going to double down and say, okay, God, what do you have for us here if we grow some deep roots, if we work through some hard things, if we commit to this people and this place? And that was the start of the book Present. And right around the time we made the decision to double down on being here, uh, the pandemic started. And suddenly <laughs> we weren't even going to Walmart, much less going to move across the country for those first couple of months. Um, but God really used that season in teaching us how to be still and to how to be grateful and how to be present right where we are. So what, what, is, what does that look like? Does that mean plugging in, engaging with the community more or um, how, how does it look to you? Yeah, that's a big part of it is stopping the practice of looking over everyone's shoulder for the greener grass mm. and, the, and the better pastures. You know, we, um, especially I'm, I'm in this generation that has young kids and career opportunities and we're kind of always climbing these ladders. What's the next best thing? And what if there isn't a next best thing? What if the right thing is what's right in front of us? Our particular neighbors, our particular congregation, our particular 
you know, climate where we live. It's it's California and we're usually either hot or on fire and it's been cold this June and I find it so pleasant, but everyone's complaining, you know, and like, what if we just accepted what God handed to us? So that's where it begins, this practice of gratitude and contentment. Well, you know, I think one of the biggest thieves of contentment is, is what you're talking about, grass is greener kind of thing. I mean, Scripture tells us, not, you know, not to compare ourselves one to another, and I think there's a really good reason for that. Uh, it, was that something you struggle with, or just something? It's so common; it's pretty obvious that people are always doing that, keeping up with other people, comparing, which leads to gossip, which leads to a dissatisfaction, all sorts of things like that. Um, how big of how, how important is it to set aside the comparisons and in order to be content? Yeah, the comparison trap is such a trap. And we start to get on this treadmill of if I just had this or a little more of that, I would suddenly be content rather than turning that focus inward and asking the question about our hearts. Why am I not content? Maybe it's because I'm struggling with contentment and maybe Mm. God has something to say about that. Maybe some spiritual practices can help me with that study of scripture, increasing how I'm thinking about my prayer life. And when we start to realize the discontent is not circumstantial, it's spiritual, things really start to transform. There is no perfect church. There is no perfect neighborhood. There is no perfect climate. But instead, what does God have to teach us through this place and these people? Because God loves us. I think you're you're probably pretty easygoing. <laughs> you know, you're, you're, it, I, the, another tendency, um, and I mean, I think we all fall into it to some degree or another, but it, it's easy to be critical of others, which leads to discontentment with our situation if we don't like our neighbors. And let's be honest, sometimes they do things that most normal people wouldn't like. Um, how do you set aside the natural tendency towards criticism and accept some imperfection? I love that question. <laughs> and I think the answer to it is is twofold. I'm not that easygoing. I oh, can really? be very critical. I can be very <laughs> negative. And, and this book writing process has been part of the recovery from that. I think part of the question is, you know, am I criticizing rather than problem solving? Because sometimes the neighbor who's using their leaf blower at six in the morning on a Saturday when the baby's trying to nap just needs a conversation of, hey, you know, my baby's napping. Could you, would you mind? Um, doing this an hour or two later, it would change my life. Mm -hmm. And so rather than criticizing, having that conversation, which is easier if you know your neighbors, if you've had a block party, if you've chatted at the mailbox and it's not your first encounter with them. Um, But the other piece of that criticism, again, is that look inward and am I just cultivating a critical spirit? And am I trying to solve that by picking up and moving away? I have a dear, dear friend who's career military And she said one of the hardest bits of it for her is every year or two she moves. Mm -hmm. She's like, so I'm taking that into my friendships. Like, I don't want to work through this conflict because I'm just going to leave in a year. And she's like, that's not healthy. I've had to really say, okay, I'm committed to these people for the time that the military and God allow me to live in this place. I'm going to do the harder thing and have the hard conversation. And it's so good on the other side of that conversation when we do work through conflict and listen to one another and learn together. But it's hard. It's a challenge. Yeah, yeah, it can be. We we bought a house a couple of years ago. We moved uh, after almost 20 years. And we I looked at the house, you know, a couple of times. And then after we closed, I noticed that the lights on the driveway weren't shining on the driveway. They were like pointed at the house. 
And I was like, that's different, you know? And so I went over there to adjust it. And when I turned it, I realized, I think that's their master bedroom next door. <laughs> and so uh, the next time I saw our new neighbors, you know, we didn't know, they didn't know us. Um, I said, hey, I noticed this light was turned over the driveway. Is that shining into your bedroom? And he was like, oh, uh, like he'd gotten caught, you know, messing with something that wasn't his house. And he's like, yeah, I mean, we can. I said, no, that's great. I said, I'm going to point it kind of on my driveway, but you tell me if it's still bright in your bedroom, please. And I will gladly move it. And it, it just, it set a tone and we've got a great relationship now. And I, I know from other neighbors that, you know, there's, there, we, we don't see eye to eye. We don't have the same worldview as our neighbors, but we've got a wonderful relationship. We take care of their dog when they're out of town. We decide, you know, it is possible and I think that's another issue about uh, accepting our present is learning to have a good relationship with people, relationship with people that do not see eye to eye with us, that may come from a, you know, you may have uh, someone with a you know, rainbow flag flying outside their, their house and you're, you don't believe in that at all, but you can, I think, still have a relationship uh, I bet in Southern California you've had to deal with this more than once. Yeah, our neighborhood is incredibly diverse, and we feel really blessed that God has set us there in part because of that reason, as our kids are having conversations with mm. the neighbor kids. You know, our, our neighbors across the street brought us cookies for Nauru's, and we said, we don't know what that is. Can you help us understand? <laughs> <have> no <laughs> and they send us a wonderful video explaining it's the it's the Persian New Year, and they're, mm. they're Persian, and their parents are from Iran, and they moved over here, and they're learning English, and, you know, that they would include us in their celebration, and that we are able to include them in our celebration. So rather than having a posture of fear toward those who are different from us, what can we learn? And there's such an openness there. They want to learn about our life as well. We sing worship songs around the piano a lot of times at night for our family devotions and the windows are open. Mm. You know, the neighbors mm -hmm. know what we believe. They know what we, that we work at a church, but it's how we live among them that speaks so much more loudly than that. And I love the story of, is this light shining in your bedroom window? I'm so <laughs> sorry. Please tell me. It's so easy. Yeah to be a good neighbor, yeah. treat others the way you would want to be treated. Do you want a light in your master bedroom late at night? Probably exactly. not. Exactly, okay, that's, right? a, that's easy. That's low hanging fruit. Tax collectors and sinners wanted to eat with Jesus yeah. because he was pleasant to be with. He was kind, he was welcoming. It wasn't that he didn't stand for truth, but he didn't start with like, hey, did you know you're terrible and wrong? People don't want to go to dinner with that guy. Yeah. and and when you do that <laughs> you're going to get criticized by some very religious people <laughs> that gonna, usually means you're doing something right it really really does all right this is interesting. all right uh all right personal question but i'm gonna show the book this is present by courtney ellis uh you can find her at courtneybellis.com what's the b stand for that's the rule of my uh, that's my maiden name and when i started my website uh there was a semi-famous lingerie model named courtney ellis so the domain was taken that's not me <laughs> don't go there <laughs> all right uh i'm afraid to google your name I, I don't actually. do it <laughs> oh man um, i think i'm more famous than she is now not that it's what it's about but i think in the google rankings you'll see my website first all right Praise well you, it's because we're we're operating in the realm where beauty isn't just skin deep so all right um you have uh what's what's your degree in english is is it a bachelor's or is it a master's level 
have a master's in English that's and a, a master of divinity. I have mastered divinity as well. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, so you you are, I would say, an, an achiever. Probably fairly driven. I mean, you're writing books while you're raising three kids. That's not easy to do. You know, I haven't finished one, and I don't have any kids at home. I have no excuse, right? How do you how do you balance that drive to achieve, uh, which can make it real hard to to pay attention to those around you, to live in the present, to prioritize their needs over your own, uh, with this idea of living in the present that you're talking about what a great question yeah i'm a, i'm an achiever it's it's almost it's almost neurotic to the point of you know what's next what's next i just turned in a book what's next mm. and my husband's like maybe you could take a minute i don't know maybe you could go for a walk maybe you could take a breath um i i love that question because i think we all struggle with remaining present in a different way and you might not be an achiever like i am but whatever it is that's on your plate that gets between you and being present in the moment God has set before you, that's your challenge. Mm -hmm. um, spiritual practices are, are tremendous. Things like prayer and listening prayer. And pr I take a lot of prayer walks. Um, I'm a bird watcher, so I, I look for the birds and I talk to Jesus. And those things help kind of ground me that it's not just about this idea I have or this email that needs to be sent or this project I'm thinking about in the back of my mind, but what is happening right here, right now? Oh, God sent me a goldfinch. That's happening right mm. here. And that that I'm able to bring home to, okay, God has sent me my four-year-old who really, 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 really wants help coloring this picture. She doesn't need help coloring the picture. She could do fine on her own, but what she needs in this moment is my presence yeah. and how can I be present to her? So it's a constant struggle, but I think God sets us in that struggle because if we could just solve it and fix it, we wouldn't need him anymore. So it's this dependence, this prayerful life. Have you, have you struggled at all with um, sacrificing some of your own ambition for the sake of being there for your kids? Because I know that, that that can be a real tough one, especially for women. Oh, for sure. For sure. My husband and I both have, you know, he has a, he has a PhD in systematic theology and thought he would go into the academy and he's not in the academy. He's a pastor in part because of the flexibility that allows him to be a father. Mm -hmm. um, so we both have, you know, I write books, but I write them within the bounds that work for our family. And both Daryl, my husband and I, when we see each other kind of floating off into outer space and, and forgetting to be grounded, we'll, we'll help pull each other back. Like, no, no, the kids need you right now. The family needs you right now. It's dinner time, put the phone away. Um, and we do that for each other. Does, and now the kids call us on it too. They're old enough. They, oh, they're <laughs> like, mommy, phone. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's, that's, that's really <laughs> funny. Did, does, the struggle, I think, for a lot of people in ministry, and, and I know I, I speak from experience, um, is that if you feel like you're, you know, called, you have to do something big for God as if he needs us to do anything at all. Right. I mean, you know, but we, we face it, we feel it. And, you know, my dad will tell you that his, one of his greatest regrets, if not his greatest was, you know, when I was growing up, my sisters were growing up, he was gone 300 days out of the year because he was saving the world, you know, preaching the gospel to the world. And I don't downplay that. Uh, I just, I mean, he was not present most of the time. Uh, and, and he looks back at that with actually some pretty heavy regret, you know. Do you see that a lot in ministry, especially where we feel like we need to be doing the big God things? And, you know, neglected pastoral families is not a small thing. Um, yet you've decided that you're going to be there with those kids. 
Some people would see that as shortchanging their call, frankly. Yeah, I think there there is a tension there that that will push us into deeper relationship with Jesus because the call comes from God. And if I'm called to write and I'm called to parent, then mm. if God's calling is both of those things, then God will help me walk with those two feet. If the call is to ministry and to be a father and to be a parent, God will help walk with those two feet. I think the problem comes when our own ambition gets in the way of I'm going to do really big things for God because ultimately all ministry is local. And we are the loudest preachers to our own children before anything else. And that was my biggest fear going into any sort of Christian ministry was, will this make my kids hate Jesus? Because if so, it's not worth it. None of it is worth it. If the church is the thing that takes mommy and daddy away. Um, and so, you know, we've had to be really intentional about that and give that continually to the Lord and give our own ambition over to the Lord and, and remember that the biggest difference any of us will ever make is in our own neighborhood and our own household, and it all begins there. And if it doesn't work there, it doesn't work. Yeah, and sometimes that can feel limiting, uh, but you're okay with limits. Yeah, limits are a grace. God has given us limits for a reason and writes in the Psalms that he has set a limit for the sea. And we see what happens when the ocean overflows its limits, when there's a tsunami <laughs> and the carnage and the havoc. We have to sleep. I, I quote one of the foremost researchers on sleep in the country in this book. He studied sleep for 50 years at Stanford University and finally came to the conclusion that we need to sleep because we get sleepy. <laughs> like we have certain limits that are given to us by God and these are not a burden. These are a mm. grace. God is infinite. We are finite. And when we stop fighting those limits but instead say, "Okay, God, you know my day, you know my hours, you know my capacity, you know my energy." And you've given me these things in the day what needs to go because yeah. i have limits um god is so faithful in that it's not try harder do more that's not the gospel yeah well gosh that it, that needs to be heard loud and clear uh we i just sometimes you go what where, where, where do i get these ideas that well if, if i would just do this god would god's will would be done you know it's like nah, it's he's gonna do what He's going to do, but he invites us into it. And what he wants, uh, our, our part is really so that he can do the work in us. And and I think sometimes we, we just get, I don't know, our perspective seems to be off. I fight that all the time, frankly, so that, that's kind of a big deal with me. The, the idea of present, and I mentioned this in the intro, um, it fights against the regret of the past and the worry or fear for the future. Um do you deal with any of those, the living in the past, whether it's trauma or just regret or worrying about the future? Absolutely. I think I many days just ping pong between the two, right? <laughs> right. Like I should have done this and right. now I'm concerned about that. And um, But the fact is that the present moment is the only one we have, yeah. which doesn't mean we shouldn't be wise and we shouldn't plan and you should probably have a savings account, right? Like these things are the path of wisdom, but it also means the only moment we are fully in is this moment. And kids live that out so beautifully. Kids live in now time. That's true. I, I read one study that said if baby, if we teethed as adults, like babies teethed, we would go crazy in part because we would fall asleep thinking that hurts so much, it's going to hurt so much tomorrow. 
but babies don't have that sense of time. They just fall asleep and then they wake up and like, oh, it hurts. But they don't think again. They can't remember really what, mm. what it was like yesterday. Kids exist in this moment. If they're having an ice cream cone, that's all that's going on. <laughs> it's the best thing ever. And so the more we can walk with God in this present moment, give us daily bread. We don't get weekly bread. We don't get monthly bread. We get daily bread, minute by minute presence with Jesus. That's what we have. And that's where we start. <laughs> I, I, I had a popsicle with my two-year-old grandson last weekend. And all I did was focus on him while we had the popsicle. And it was fabulous. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, man, I wish I, wish I could have learned this younger you know which is why i want to put that out there for people to especially in the hectic the hecticness i just made a word maybe of people in your stage of life where you've got those kids at home and you've got the job you've got the financial pressures and you've got it's just it is it is hard to do during that phase of life um but man it just it just makes all the difference it's i mean have you always been this way or is there a very purposeful, conscientious shift in that direction. No, I'm, I'm learning. I'm growing Still, into uh, it. Yeah. And, and I'm learning things I need to be present. And one of those things is I need to go on a walk alone every day. Mm -hmm. I can be, I'm very introverted. And, and when I'm with my kids for many, many hours a day, it wears on me. But if I can sneak away for an early morning walk while my husband's managing the house, it changes my day. So it's not mm -hmm. just about trying harder to be present. We may need some specific things. It's much easier to be present when you're fed and watered. If you're hungry and tired, you're going to be tempted to be on your phone to zone out to disconnect that is so true uh and i'm like that too i, I need the alone time and if handled properly that alone quiet time the solitude really can make the time with others more valuable because it does you don't you're not just looking to escape you've had your escape and now you can be and yeah. so, yeah, that's really good. One odd question before I want to mention the, the thing with feathers. People are like, what does that mean? You'll find that in a second. <laughs> um, in, in, I'm curious about prayer because this is something that I've been trying to live out more because it's it was a concept that I, honestly, I hadn't really thought about it. But My lights are turning off. We're oh, okay. That's okay. Prayer, <laughs> prayer is oftentimes... Uh, you know, repentance for the past, and, and it should be. Uh, it's it's oftentimes bringing our concerns about the future to God and, you know, bringing them before him, whether you're asking for, for favor or wisdom, direction, those kinds of things, and it should be. I, I don't want to discount that. But when I kind of examined my own prayer life, I, prayer life, I realized that it was either past or future, not a lot mm. of present. Mm. And... When I, I, I again, I'm I'm in the middle of this, so I don't I certainly don't have it down, but I'm trying to be more conscientious of praying in the moment. Um, you know, even to the simple things. I got five things I got to do today. Lord, is there one that you would have me address now uh, and prioritize? Uh, mm. I'm I'm with a person. You know, Lord. What what do I need to do? Do I need to say something? Do I need to be quiet? You know, mm. and and that starts to make that scripture that says pray without ceasing, which sounds like a, a way too much work and really impractical. It starts to make more sense. Um, has, have, have you considered the role of prayer, a present prayer, uh, 
in in this idea of of being all in, being rooted right where you're at? Yeah, what an interesting question. I've done so many interviews and I've never gotten that question. And I love that question. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I, I I agree that most of our prayers are, you know, God, this thing happened or this thing's about to happen. Um, but the presence of God with us in the moment is so powerful. And so that's one of the reasons I take these walks is that it helps me as I'm walking. God, thank you for the bluebird. God, thank you that the, mm. the fog is burning off. God, mm. thank you for a strong body that can take this walk. Um, another way I try to practice that is when I say to someone, I'll pray for you to then say, could we pray right now? Yeah. Rather than I'm walking away and maybe I'll remember, hopefully I wrote it down, you know, the day is full um, to to offer that. And the, the things that happen when we take the person who brought us a need into the presence of God in that moment is tremendous. And also I think reframing what we understand prayer to be, it doesn't always have to be dear God, bunch of words, amen. <laughs> right, um, right. We can pray in our spirits. The spirit prays for us. We can pray with our bodies. We can pray with an act of mercy or kindness. You know that those things are all prayer. Paul doesn't mean don't stop talking. I don't think that's what he means. Pray continually. I think he means let your life be an act of prayer. Yeah. Well, and, and even more so, I, I a friend of mine was the uh, chaplain for local fire and police department and would go in awful situations uh, where someone had maybe taken their life or just died in an accident and go to the family. And I said, what do you say? And he goes, you don't say anything. There's nothing you're, you're going to say. You're just present for them. He calls it the yes. ministry of presence. And again, something I hadn't considered until he said that years ago. And a lot of times being present for someone just means literally just being there. You don't have to talk. And in the depths of our grief or our fear or our anger, I think that's what God does with us mm -hmm. is, is wrap us in these loving arms and just be with us. Um, God is not always, God does not often solve our problems in the ways that we would like them to be solved, but God is always present with us and to us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, literally Emmanuel, God with us was the word when Christ was born. God is yeah. with us. He is present. I think maybe we should emulate that and be present too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's a good word. Uh, well, yeah, it's a good, good, good book. Good reminder. Thank you for that. Tell me about the thing with feathers because that's kind <laughs> of odd and funny and very interesting, I'm sure, to some people, especially. What do you call bird watchers? Uh, Birders. Birders. Okay. I guess Birders. an ornithologist is someone that studies them then, right? Yes, okay. absolutely. So so these prayer walks that I started taking as part of writing this book have turned me into a birder. And now I've got the binoculars and the silly hat and the funny taupe colored clothes and the whole thing. Right. <laughs> um, but I've started a podcast. It's about birds and hope. It's called The Thing with Feathers. And many of my guests are are Christians who are hobby birders. So folks like Fernando Ortega was on a few a few episodes ago talking about his songwriting. And he is an avid birder there in New Mexico. So it's all about how birds can connect us to hope, how knowing more about God's good creation um, can help us be a people of hope. Are, are birds actually dinosaurs living in our presence? Yes. The jury's still out, Randy. <laughs> That's what my wife says. That's like, she's like, you're creepy. Their beady eyes are looking at me. But, <laughs> anyway, all right. Anything I you want? I will pray. I will pray for your wife. You <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, don't, don't tell her we had this conversation. Nobody will know, right? Your um, secrets stay with me and all these thousands <laughs> of people. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. All these, uh, yeah, 
We're reaching dozens today. Dozens. Courtney, dozens. <laughs> um, now, anything you want to add before I let you go? It's been a fun conversation. I always enjoy no. your sense of humor and, and appreciate how that comes through in the books as well. And 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 some interesting thoughts. So, But anything you I missed that you want to add? I would just add that if someone's feeling really, really overwhelmed and feels like a book like mine will tell them that they're not doing it right and they could do better, that's not that this kind of book. <laughs> this book is is a companion on a journey of drawing closer to Jesus in easy, gentle, beautiful ways. Um, so the book is an invitation. It's not a it's not a self-help fix-yourself book. Um, I try to be gentle like Jesus is gentle. <laughs> I love it. Courtney Ellis, CourtneyBellis.com. Uh, appreciate your time. Appreciate you being here. Hope you guys have been a little encouraged. Maybe have some interesting thoughts that you've never really thought about. And maybe you can become a birder too, but whatever. You can live more in the present. Enjoy where you're at. Accept where you're at. Uh, and, and that's really, I think, the key to improving things and changing things for the better. When It's weird. There's a tension between contentment and change. Try it. You'll like it. And come back. We'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live. Nobody can prevent you from doing the will of God.